everybody stand this morning as we open in worship. We lift the name of the Lord on high. The name of Jesus lifted up this morning as we sing. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love seeing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. Save us, save us. You came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross. My debt to pay from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I lift your name. I think this is on. Yes, it is. Good morning. How you guys doing? It's good to see you. You guys are trickling in. Welcome to Sunset. I'm just so happy you're here. My name's Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, want to welcome you. If you're new with us for the first time or been back a couple different times and so you're kind of newer to us, you can text hi to this number and we would love to just get into a little correspondence as well as introduce to you Discover. It's our meet and greet ministry that just gets a chance to let you come and meet some staff, meet some folks here at Sunset and we offer you a lunch. There's childcare if you have kids. All you have to do is just head out to the lobby at the end of service and just sign up for Discover. The next one is June 11th and we would love to have you there and we need to kind of get those things prepared. So please make, a, make that part of your event. Want to congratulate uh, graduates. Uh, those who've graduated, those who are graduating, right? It's going to be awesome. College, high school, so many good things. We had a great graduation. A couple guys here just way down to Marshall County already took, uh, took the plunge and going into adulting, I guess it is, next. Uh, we're excited for them, but we're excited to see God just move into our young adult people. And uh, with that said, I'm going to do a little selfish plug here. I'm starting with my wife and I. We're starting a college and career ministry. So if you want more information about that, young men, young women, please come and, and, and talk with me a little bit. We meet right now on Wednesdays uh, in, in the evening here. And uh, we'll, we're just going to 
gather, uh, get some fellowship on and, and some time together. We have worship. We have a uh, time in the Word. We have fellowship. We break bread. Uh, it's a good time. And then we're going to have some events too. So please be a part of that. And then I just want to plug something really fast. It's Summer Vibes. It's not yet graphic out, but Pastor Steve gave us a chance to say, hey, let's do something at the beginning of our summer. So on Sunday the 25th, we're going to have an all-church fellowship called Summer Vibes, Sunset Summer Vibes. And so we hope that you'll stay, that you'll make it a point to actually invite some friends to come to church on that Sunday and then hang out for a couple hours. I mean, there'll be things like live music maybe or at least uh, some music that we'll have available, right? Karaoke perhaps? I don't know. Maybe something cool. And then just food, of course, games, activities, raffle stuff from businesses in the community. So we're going to have a good time that day. So please be looking forward to bringing somebody and hanging out with us. And there'll be more on our social media platforms and also Sunday mornings and graphic and stuff like that. So I'm just glad that you're here this morning. Hopefully you got a bulletin. If you didn't, um, I'll just, I mean, you can just say, hey, Eric, give me a bulletin. I'll run around and get you bulletins. Um, but hopefully you got that. There's all this information on there. Let me just open this up in a real quick word of prayer. And then right after I say amen, would you just say hello to a couple people right around you? Father, thank you so much for just us gathering here this morning. We love you. We thank you because it's now that we can worship you with full, glad, and thankful hearts. In Christ's name, amen. Say hello to some folks.
were saving so you came and changed my life you thought I was worth keeping so you cleaned me up inside you thought I was to die for so you sacrificed your life so I could be free I could be whole I could tell everyone I know she thought I was Change. 
pray with me this this morning. Lord, we thank you, God. Lord, you sent your blameless son that we'd have a hope in this world. Because God, without Jesus, there'd be no hope for us. God, I'm just so grateful today Jesus, that you thought we were worthy to give your life. God, I just pray that we would live a life worthy of that calling. Lord, we thank you for all your blessings and gifts. Lord, that we live in a country where we can worship you freely. God, so many times we we don't. God, this morning as we have this opportunity yet once again to lift up your Holy Son's name, God, let us do that unashamedly. Lord, let us lean into your word that's full of life, God. Bless this time. Or if there's one here that's never said yes to you as Savior. God, I just pray that today could be their day. We love you. And it's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. If I've got it right, I think this is the last week of school for most schools around our area. Is that not correct? Is it right? Our elementary school principal was over there with a big smile came on her face. I saw it. Julie, when you said something about that, it's like, yeah, she's nodding her head, yes. Did you hear about the teacher who was helping one of her kindergarten students put on her boots? He asked her for help, and she certainly could see why that he needed the help. With her pulling and him pushing, uh, the boots just they just didn't want to go on his uh, feet when the second boot was on finally she had worked up a sweat she almost whimpered when the little boy said teacher they're on the wrong feet she looked and sure enough they were it wasn't easy any easier pulling the boots off of the kids feet than it was putting them on she managed to keep her cool as together they worked to get the boots back on this time they were on the right feet and then he announced these aren't my boots she bit her tongue and rather than get right in his face and scream why didn't you say so she like she wanted to once again she struggled to help him pull the ill-fitting boots off and he then said they're my brother's boots My mom made me wear them. She didn't know whether to laugh or to cry, but she mustered up the grace and courage she had had left to wrestle the boots back on his feet again. She said, now where are your mittens? He said, I stuffed them in the toes of my boots. Hats off to teachers and principals and school staff. For the work you do, you deserve your summer break. Amen.
I have low tolerance for anybody who says, well, teachers only work nine months out of the year. Uh, I lived with one who was actively teaching for 35 years. I worked with a whole bunch for over 20-plus years, and I can tell you that is totally false. They work hard and earn the pay that they get, and we should be grateful to those who do so much for our children. Amen? Amen. We're continuing the series. I, I said that. It doesn't have anything to do with the sermon. I just wanted to acknowledge our teachers and, and people who work in our schools who do such a great job. Now on to the sermon. All right? Three words we've been working through of this series. Three words that are used in Scripture that through the course of time, Christians, they, these words have become very precious to us who are believers and carry significant importance. The trilogy of words today were written by the Apostle Paul and uh, where he identifies uh, one word from a list of many. So three words down to one word out of a list of several words and uh, where it's where Paul was writing to the Corinthian church and addressing some of the problems that had developed. And before I talk uh, about those words, uh, let me just take just a moment to, to share with you the different types of problems that he was addressing. So let's take a look at why Paul had, had, was addressing these and the special relationship that he has with the Corinthian church. Uh, Corinth, Corinth was a major port city and an important cultural center. Uh, it was um, overwhelmed with the Greek and Roman gods and was actually a major economic center of the world during this time. He strategically decides that he would go to this city as a missionary, spending about a year and a half there, getting to know the people. And as he was getting to know the people, he was sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Many of them became followers of Jesus. And out of that, there started a local church. So the, once the church was established, that Paul starts, so he gets this special uh, relationship with these people, he then moves on to start other local churches. And after a while, he had started getting reports that there were problems that had developed in this church in Corinth. And that happens often whenever there's something new and, and the leader moves on, and that's what had happened in this church. And so through his communication, when he heard of, of what was happening, he decides to write them a letter. And I'm glad he does because we have that letter today and it's very useful for us who are believers today. And he addresses the problems. There are five main problems that were causing this angst among the people. They were this, divisions among believers. And certainly if there's a, a, a problem that we still have today, it's divisions that are established both in churches and in our culture. He was addressing sex. Problem with sex that was going on. 
He was addressing the idea of food, about who could eat what, and how they were to, to share and eat their foods, and how worship was being conducted. And there was a much misinformation about the resurrection. Now, I'm not going to go into all the, any detail about these problems, but I share this level of detail with you about why he was prompted to write them, because the solution to these problems that he has are wrapped up in something that is very foundational to solving the problem. And it's still foundational to solving our problems today. And how Paul addresses these early Christians underscores the importance and power of a major theme that is contained throughout the Bible. The whole Bible, actually, is centered around this theme that we'll get to know in just a moment. So the title of my sermon is this, Greatest of These... And I have to say, uh, kind of the idea of this came from Stephanie Dietz, who went out last week, and she says, you need to preach on this one that I'm going to get to later on, but I'm starting with this particular one. Greatest of these three words in and of themselves that are not all that powerful, greatest of these. However, they're very famous and they're very well known in the Christian community. And many of you probably are already ahead of me and you could give me the book in the Bible and maybe even the chapter where these words come from. Let me just see. Where does the greatest of these come from? Anybody? What? Well, I've already given you the, the book, all right? So at least everybody ought to be saying 1 Corinthians, right? Chapter... 13, right. Greatest of these comes from that very beautiful passage that Paul writes about. And what makes these three words so famous and so cherished, I'm talking about the greatest of these, are the three words that are really kind of attached to them. So let's do a test. What are the three words then, if it's not greatest of these, or what are the three words that I'm going to talk about? Anybody tell me? Faith, hope, and love. Exactly. Faith is important. Hope is certainly important. But love, you see, we're going to take it from three words down to one now. One, love is in a category all to itself. In fact, faith and hope... When you kind of boil it away, are a derivative of love. And with that in mind, let's read some very familiar scripture from 1 Corinthians 13. You could almost probably say it with me. If I could speak all the angels, languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others... I would have gained nothing. Love 
is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking and unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love, but love will last forever. Now, our knowledge is partial and, partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything in perfect clarity. All that I know is now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. These three, these three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. Say the rest of it with me. And the greatest of these is love. Let me ask you a question. What is the strongest motivation in your life? What is it that really, truly motivates you? I suppose, depending on who you talk with, one could answer the question in many different ways. And likely, one may answer the question on what particular phase you may find yourself in in life. Some of you might answer, well, fear. Fear is the strongest motivation that I have in my life right now. Others might say, well, greed, certainly. Now, you wouldn't probably say this about yourself, but you probably would look at someone else and say, greed. Why, that's a, the, a strong motivation for someone who never seems to have enough, and they just are so greedy, they just have to keep going for more and more. I suppose money would be a strong motivation for many that kind of goes along right there with greed. It seems to me in today's time, especially that notoriety, being known is, is a strong motivation for some, while others might be motivated by lust. So I, I propose to you today that all of those things are strong motivations. But I also believe that love is the strongest motivation. Even stronger than any of these ones or many more that I've just talked about. Our need for love and the need to express love should be, and I presume is, the strongest motivation. Love is uh, like any other feeling we have. And yet to, to describe it as a feeling really is inadequate because love is much stronger than an emotion or a feeling. Love is a powerful force. 
Love moves us to action. Love can change our life. Love has the power to build us up, and lack of love has the power to tear us down. Love can make us feel secure and wanted. Love, you've heard this before, conquers all things, and there's so much more. I could let you describe your own words about how powerful love is, and certainly you would have your own stories of, about how this love has affected you and, and maybe changed your life, hopefully for good. I also know that love is a word that we flippantly toss around today, where we attach different meanings and connotations to it if someone's if I overhear somebody talking about say cinnamon rolls okay because they have visited the Cinnabon place is there one of those around anybody is there a Cinnabon place around where is it <laughs> she probably loves cinnamon rolls Oh, your moms are better? Okay. Well, I'll take either one. <laughs> because I love cinnamon rolls. Thank you very much. And I'm not sharing with anybody else if you bring me some. <laughs> you can't tell I love cinnamon rolls. Nothing like that, right? I might say I love my house. If I meant that I love my house in the same way that I love my wife, I certainly should be in trouble, right? I would deserve to be in trouble. I love Tennessee. But I don't love Tennessee like I say when I say I love God. We have this one word that we put in different places different connotations and we seem to cheapen what the word really means to try to say I love cinnamon buns cinnamon rolls cinnamon whatever the way same way that I say I love God we're not alone in giving different meanings to this one word However, we seem to just wrap it up in the one word. The ancient Greeks, they had four words to describe different types of love. No doubt you've heard this before. The four words are eros and storge and agape and phileo. And only two of these Greek words are used in the New Testament. Agape, which is self-sacrificial love, and phileo, which is brotherly love. However, we, we kind of put a lot of emphasis on the eros side of it, a type of love that expresses sexual love or the feelings of attractions that are shared between people who are physically attracted to each other. However, by the time New Testament times came along, this word became so debased by the culture that it's not used not one single time in the entire New Testament. And today we have stretched that word into much more in our culture that almost sort of makes it really a bad thing. 
Then there's storge. It refers to natural or familial love. Uh, and again, it's not found in the Bible, but it was used by the ancient Greeks. It refers to the type of love shown by a parent for a child or to a family member. And then there's phileo, and it's the love of companionship and, and fellowship and intellectual, emotional bond that occurs between two people like brotherly love. The love speaks of affection or fondness or liking someone. It's an emotion that comes from one's heart as a response to the pleasure one takes in a person. And then there's agape. It is the noblest word of all for love in the Greek language. And what does it mean? It means unconditional love, a most pure form of affection. It's always only applied to people. Agape is called out of one's heart by the precious esteem and respect for the person loved. It's a powerful desire for the, listen to this, the well-being of another only wants what is best for someone else. It's a type of love that would deny itself and look out for the well-being of other people. So when Paul is using the word for love, we need to address all of those other connotations and meanings that we have attached to it and look at it from a perspective of what agape love is. Self-sacrificial love. What's best for others. God's love is demonstrated in this. It's all about agape love. God's love is at the core of the gospel. It's what Jesus did when he died for us and what Christians should do for others. So if love is the strongest motivation that exists, then loving in the right way is the most important ingredient for a healthy, happy relationship with God and with others. So when we start thinking about this whole idea of the greatest motivation, where does it start? Well, it all starts with God. That is foundational. This, too, listen to this. Love is a gift that God has given to us. Can you say amen to that? Love is a gift. That is given to us. Now, some might argue that God's given that ability to animals. I, man, I, I don't think so. You can disagree with me. It's fine. You've got a right to. But, you know, I, 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 we've had pets and we've had dogs. Actually, we've had dogs. We haven't had many more pets than that. Okay. Um, but, you know, I, I never saw my dog really sacrificing for me. Just didn't happen. Midnight never did that, okay? I, I believe that God specifically gives it as a gift to us as human beings, this kind of love. It's born in what we've already talked about. God so loved. What's the rest of it? The next three words. That he gave. That's a gift. 1 John 4, 8 declares this, 
Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Love's not merely just an attribute of God. It is his very nation. The only person you can find complete and perfect love in is in God. Everyone else will fall short. Anything, I'll come back though, that foundation, anything that you or I know about love is started with God. That's the beginning of all of it. And here's what I have discovered. The more I know about God's love for me, the more I discover just how little I know about the, His depth of love for me. Let me say that again. The more I discover God's love for me, the more I discover just how little I know about His love for me. I mean, when J.J. was singing that song with the worship team earlier, and he, he thought I was worth saving, I can't recall the other words, but it'll be flaring up in my mind all week long, right? And he thought I was worth saving. Let that sink in a moment. I could probably just have this kind of pride attitude. Yeah, I'm pretty good. Yep, that's not bad. Because you know what kind of builds that up in me? It's kind of when I look at you and I think, he thought you were worth saving? He thought we, really, were worth saving? Yes, he did. Yes, he did, because of his love for us. He loves me. He loves you. It is who he is and he gives us the privilege to love him back Jesus tells us this love the Lord your God I like the way the message puts it with all of your passion and prayer and intelligence this is the most important the first on any list Love the Lord your God. Love Him with everything there is in you. And with that kind of love that you share with Him, that we're commanded to love Him with, we're to do this. But there's a second to the set alongside it, love others as well as you love yourself. These two commands are pegs. Everything in God's law and the prophets Hang on them. You get it? It's foundational. Everything that we know about love is built on our love for God and love for others. It is a gift that was shared by God to the world and is a gift that we possess that is meant to be shared with others. God loves us. We're to love him. It's kind of like this. It's a, it's a pay-it-forward kind of thing. We must love one another. 
Now just stop and think about that for a second. It's not an option. It's a command. Jesus is speaking. He's talking to his disciples. It's a very serious talk that he's having with, this, with these men. And he says, a new command I give you. What does he say? Of one another. Do you know what it really is? It becomes love is a test of Christianity. A true Christian, one saved by love and filled with God's love, must live in love toward God and others. It's a very serious and deep kind of love. And when we become a Christian, God places in us a capacity to love others. We all have it. We all have this ability. You say, well, I can't do it. You can't. I'm going to get to that in just a second. But God places that ability in you. He goes on. He sets the standard for what love looks like. He says, I, let me back up, a new commandment I give you, love one another. And then he goes like this, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, that's a pretty high standard. Say, so, well, how are you supposed to love other people? Well, it says, as I have loved you. How am I supposed to love my neighbor? What if I don't agree with them? And I've got neighbors I don't agree with. But how am I supposed to love them? As I have loved you. What about people? I don't normally talk about this, and I'm not going to dwell on it for a second. But what about those people who I disagree with politically? How am I supposed to love them? I have some people that I disagree with politically. A good number of people. But how am I supposed to love them? As Jesus loved me. What about those people who have done wrong to me as Jesus loved me? There is no excuse for loving them in any other way. He's saying, I want to show you love to each other in the same way that I have loved you. I, I want your marriage relationships to, to mimic the kind of love that I've shown to you. I, I want your friendship relationships. I, I want you to love your friends and your neighbors the same way that I have loved you. I, in your church, in our church, I, I want you to love each other. Jesus saying, you love your fellow church people the same way that I have loved you. I want you to love each other as I have loved you. You know, as I said a moment ago, you cannot do this in and of yourself. Your ability to love the others the way that Jesus loved you is, is imp it's, it's, it's very difficult. I give that to you. But it's made possible because God also gave us another gift called the Holy Spirit who empowers us and empowers us through his presence and the gifts that he gives. That's what he's talking about here. You can have all of these other gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to you. 
But at the base of it has to be love. He takes it to a really deep level, goes beyond our usual meanings of love to the depth of how Jesus loved us. He is the greatest model of love ever. And here's the reason. Well, there's many more reasons. But here's one that he gives. This is Jesus speaking. By this, everyone would know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Get that? We're to show others that we follow Christ. And how do we do that? And how we love other people. Do you want to know how to love your spouse? Love her like Jesus does. You want to know what works well with your kids, your whole family, your co-workers, your friends, your enemies. It's even meant that way with those who disagree with you. Love like Jesus does. When we are, know the depth of God's love... We apply it and understand it in our own lives. Then we're able to make a difference in other people's lives, and the world will take notice. Several years later, the Apostle Paul comes along. He experiences the kind of love that Jesus loved with. He talks with the other disciples and discovers much about Jesus and writes about what Jesus loves lo looks like in Philippians chapter 2. He takes the idea of how Jesus loved and how he loved us and puts it in some practical working uh, relationships of how we're to love others. And this works in all relationships. And so these are verses, they're applied to Christians, and yet they, they have a great effect on how we do life, if we'll put it to good work. Philippians chapter 2, watch this. It's, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Do nothing. What this literally means is don't compete with each other. Don't be competitive. I'm not talking about in a sports or athletic competition. I'm talking about when you're placing your own wants and desires and your agenda above everyone else's to the detriment of that person. Take the, uh, don't, don't keep trying to one-up. Don't keep trying to correct the other person. Oh, my goodness, do you have people that would do this in public? And usually it's to, as a put-down to show that maybe how the other person is so much more holier than you or something like that. And don't keep trying to outdo them. Don't keep trying to show off or show them up. Don't, don't try to show everyone that you're smarter than, than everyone else or maybe your husband or wife. Don't, don't belittle them at the expense of making you look better. Don't do anything out of vain conceit that says basically, I'm better than you. But look at the contrast. Rather, in humility, value others 
You know, it's a good thing he didn't just stop there. I mean, could have just said, in humility value others. Well, that takes it to a certain place. But this takes it much deeper. How are you to value others above yourself? Another way of saying it, consider others more important than yourself. Put their interest above your own. It sets a goal that says this relation is here, and I'm going to defer to you. My, my goal is not to be right. My goal is to be respectful that you will know that you're more important than I am. Paul doesn't stop there. He keeps going. Verse 4, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. You know, it's interesting. When I do premarital counseling, I'll use this scripture, and quite often I'll use it in a wedding. And, and that couple, I'll be, I'll be doing some premarital counseling starting here in a, another couple of weeks with a couple getting married in the fall. We go through six sessions together. Man, I wear them out. But you ought to see them when I use this scripture. Oh, we would never do that. We would never put our own interest above the others. And I drill down because <laughs> I know that's not true. And it doesn't take long to discover, for them to discover that there is a problem with this because we have this nature, we have this uh, ability that seems to be built in us to put our interest above every other person, above our spouse. But yeah, here's Paul saying, not looking to your own interest, but to look to the interest of the others. Now let's bring us back to 1 Corinthians 13. How he started, I'm just going to kind of look at this again with statements about gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. He recognizes that there are people within the church that, that the Holy Spirit has endowed them with some incredible things that they're able to do. But then he starts calling them out. He says, if I could speak all the language of the earth of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. It's, we, can't, we don't have the old-fashioned cymbals over here. You know, can, I, can I hit these things? Are we live, ready to go? Here, let me make sure you can see me. Where's a stick? Man, I'm going to have fun with this. What if I just sat here all day long doing this? Uh, we'll throw that in there. What about it? Are you fed up with it yet? So am I. I'm so dizzy now, I can't get out of here. I don't know how you get out of there, Eddie. You're bigger than I am, buddy. <laughs> I have to trip on the cord. You know, that's the way he says it's like. You sound just like that. What a mess. If I had to give a prophecy and I understood all God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, pretty incredible, but didn't love others, I'd be nothing. If I gave everything to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, 
We'll gain nothing. Did you get it? Did you catch all of these? Watch this. If I could speak, if I could had the gift of prophecy, look at all these. If I, it starts with these. If I understood all of God's secret plans, if I possessed all knowledge, if I, if I had such faith, if I gave everything, if I sacrificed my body, if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Man, it stresses the importance of what love looks like. Without love, we might think we're powerful, but it's nothing. If I had some pom-poms, I'd do a cheer. Nothing, absolutely nothing. Good thing I'm not a cheerleader. Where's MK? MK, I could have had you come up here and do this. He would have looked much better than I did it. Y'all know my love for tools, don't you? Yeah. Milwaukee, best brand, in my opinion, of tools that exist. Man, they have got all sorts of tools that just do incredible things. Unbelievable. I use this one a lot, man. Uh, wow, I just, I can't get enough of them. I just want to keep on getting them. You know, I just want them. Whatever tool it is, this is the coolest thing. It is the coolest thing. I used it this weekend. It doesn't belong to me, but I'm going to get one just like it. You know what? I have all these tools. But you know what? They're all useless right now. Come up here, Kelly. No, I'm teasing. (laughs) I'm pushing the button. Doesn't do a thing. Doesn't do a thing. You know what I need? I need a power source. I need a battery. And it works. You know what all these tools have in common? No matter what tool I put it in, it works because I got a power source. That's basically what love is. It's a power source that gives us the ability to use all the other gifts. that God blesses us with. Love becomes a common power source for empowering those gifts that the Holy Spirit places in every one of us. And we all have them. Nobody's excluded. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is jealous, not jealous, or boastful, or proud, or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of wrongs. It does not rejoice in injustice, 
It rejoices when truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Verse 8's got some other words, but it basically says this. The love will last forever. Biblical love, agape love, is unconditional love. Without conditions. First John picks up the theme of love. He says, there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made in perfect love. Faith, hope, love. Father, I pray that we experience the greatest of these, of knowing how powerful, knowing the force, knowing the motivation of how you loved us. By giving us the incredible gift of Jesus Christ. The gift that sacrificed your son. Love that was given to us. So that we could have that right relationship with you. And in that relationship with you, we would be able to love others. To experience the kind of love that you had and given to us and to share it so the world would know that we've been so affected, so infected by your love that it has changed us and made us different. And it motivates us to love others like you loved us. Well, I pray that each one of us has experienced that love. It's found in Jesus Christ when we were invited to call him our Savior and make him Lord of our life. And if there's one here that's never done that, Father, today, today, would they discover that source of love that's found in Jesus? by giving their heart to him. And Father, that it would change a life. Change relationship with you. Change relationship with others. Because we're so immersed in the love that Jesus did for us, that it can't help 
and make a difference. We've got something to settle with you, Father. I pray that today during this invitation time, nothing will hold us back. But we'll surrender every part of who we are so that we can say, we love you with everything we have, everything we are. It's in Christ's name we pray these things. Amen. God's speaking to your heart today. This time is for you to come and settle things with him. Would you please stand as the You're the God says. of this city. You're the king of these people. You're the Lord of this nation. You are. You're the light in this darkness. You're the hope to the hopeless. You're the peace to the restless. You are. There is no one like our God. No, there is no one like our God. Great have yet to come and greater things still to be done in this city greater things have yet to come greater things still to be done in this city you're the God in You are, you're the light in this darkness, you're the hope to the hopeless, you're the peace to the restless, you are, there is no one like our Greater things are still to be done in this.
so as we just think about this for a second. I hope you're here to celebrate the love that God has given to us. But I hope we're here for much more than that. Maybe you're here today and you've got a family member. You've got a friend. That doesn't experience that kind of love. Or right now it's just not real to them. They're struggling with something. A lifestyle that's not right. An illness that has overtaken their body relationship that's broken maybe with you or someone in your family as the worship team will pick up the song in just a minute I hope it's your prayer they sing those words that greater things are yet to be done and rather than thinking in terms of a city like a town like Nolansville or Brentwood or Nashville and we think in terms of city being a sphere of influence that we have as Christ followers to be able to sing greater things are yet to be done in the life of someone I love. And we leave here shortly with that being our prayer. Not just now. We just keep on praying. We keep on just bringing it before God until we see breakthrough, until we see difference. May that be your prayer as we sing. There is no one like our God. No, there is no one like our God. message that we all need just from time to time just as simple as love but we uh, we lose track sometimes and focus um, this coming Friday I want to bring to your attention um, Friday friends 
uh, once a month, and this is that time, 11 o'clock. So ladies, if you haven't been a part of this before, um, it's a blast. And uh, so many good things come out of this ministry, so we're so thankful for it. But uh, that's going to be this coming Friday at 11. Um, also today, there's a VBS meeting. And uh, if you've signed up to be a part of, of the uh, uh, Vacation Bible School this summer, there's a meeting today. And uh, you'll know all about that, so we encourage you to come back for that. And uh, you'll see the whole picture. But vac Vacation Bible School um, is coming up. And um, if you haven't been a part of that or haven't signed up to be a part of that, we encourage you to do that. Just a, a great opportunity for us to be able to share Jesus with our community. Also, our men's ministry started this uh, awesome leg of their ministry, extension of their ministry, How Can I Help? And um, I can tell you, I've already taken advantage of this. I had a couple of guys that were helping with some projects this week and, and some more that are going to help. And These guys are serious about that. They want to serve you and uh, just a great opportunity not only to get to know them, but for them to get to know you, for you to get some things done um, that maybe you'd be unable to do yourself. Uh, changing a light bulb. or um, we've, we've got people, we've got an army, a cavalry. They're coming. So uh, just sign up for that. See, uh, see Danny or any of the guys, John, and uh, they'd be about able to give you information on that. So Let's stand as we close in worship. Again, thank you for being here this morning. Lord, we are so grateful, God, that, that the greatest of these is love. And God, you demonstrated that and modeled that for us through your son, Jesus. Lord, if we could just love like him, this world would be such a better place. And God, that's the commission that you've called us to do, go out into the world, loving and, and baptizing and, and sharing the hope of Jesus. God, as we go out into our, our world that you've given us today, let us do that in everything that we do. Your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a great week, everybody. Hi, good morning, this is Kelly. I wanna take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what, we would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615-776-1807. One of her pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. Let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us are looking for sources of hope. And you and I, we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us and he wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.